Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. Matt, how are you doing today? I am well. I am well, Brent. We happen to be cutting this on kind of a rainy day here, but you know, spring has definitely sprung, and and so it's kind of been nice to get out outdoors a little bit more, and uh, it's it's been it's been going well. Yeah, we've got some businesses in phase one reopening this weekend, and I think we're supposed to be in the mid seventies. So I'm looking forward to venturing out just a little bit, maintaining physical distance, but yet at the same time enjoying some sunshine. Be nice. You have an outdoor cafe that is that is your preference. Well, I, a couple different outdoor cafes. I'm thinking there's the farmers market. I think the Overland Park Farmers Market returns back, and there's a little coffee place there called Wildway Coffee. It's a little coffee trailer. Yes, that I might be frequenting this weekend. No guarantees, but there's a good chance you might find me there in the in the farmers market. Maybe grabbing a grabbing a coffee. I was getting my 15th curbside last weekend, looking longingly at a couple of folks that were appropriately distanced, but at a, at a not very nice looking outdoor cafe. So hopefully that's in my future. Yeah. Well, it certainly didn't look like our part of the country. I had some friends that ventured out to the lake, to the Ozarks, and I responded in kind via email. And I said, I hope I did not catch you on the national news. <laughs> Yeah. Not the kind of photo you want to show up in. Yeah, no, exactly. I don't want to be caught in that photo of 300 of my closest friends, not maintaining any social distance and everybody's, everybody's criticizing them on the today show, not the picture you want to be in. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, well, it's good to see you safe and healthy, my friend, and we can both enjoy some, some weather. So this weekend, our guest, this is, was Angie Pastoric. She's who we're going to hear from here in a bit. And she's the program director and lead faculty member for the master's degree in organizational communication at KU Edwards campus in Overland Park. And she was the final of our interviews from the KCIABC BCS conference. And boy, did we not expect how prescient maybe the conversation we had with her was because you know a lot of her discussion at that conference was about change yeah absolutely i you know it was so funny because i thought oh my gosh angie she was our kind of our cleanup hitter that day and so we knew she'd be sort of further in the in the queue but just sort of comes that you're right at the perfect time because i think her session that day was actually about how do you as a professional negotiate the different kinds of changes of course there's all kinds of changes that we go through as a, as a professional and, and certainly marketing professional is no different, whether that be an organizational change, uh, whether it be a change to your entire profession or your industry, certainly a personal change. So she sort of touched all those bases, but my gosh, how many of those are we going through now? And of course, as we reemerge as an economy, then the, the, that whole professional industry change is, is going to come even more to the fore. So I, I think she was absolutely appropriate. And, and she's a person that really, I've known Angie a long time. It, you know, it's, it was a lot of fun for me to get a chance to work with one of my colleagues because she's also on faculty, as you mentioned, at Edwards campus. And, and she's done some just really terrific work around not just change management personally and professionally, but also in areas like what we used to call soft skills. But now many times we would, we would use a, a different term like professional skills or hybrid skills. And so I've admired her work for a long time. And, and she puts a, a lot of terrific content out there, uh, including a great webcast series that she's done for a while. So I think she'll just be a, a great guest and offer quite a bit to our listeners. 
So, yeah, certainly. I think that webcast you're referring to that she does or the webinar series is the link, the link and learn series. Correct. So we committed we committed to her folks. I'm going to break the fourth wall here. We committed to her folks that we're going to have a link in the show notes. So, you know, this topic, even though we caught her in a moment in time, you can continue that conversation with Angie by jumping in on one of her link and learn sessions, which I think is a as a great avenue to. Because while we were in concrete, it felt like our feet were on concrete in February when we did this interview. Now it's in shifting sand, whether it's organizational change or that personal change you mentioned, certainly on shifting sand. Oh, for sure. For sure. And and we always need to be ready for change, right? It's the old, it's overused. Gosh, yeah. change is the only constant. But, you know, I think that those that are able to manage change, you think back to all the people you've worked with in your career, your mentors, your supervisors, the people you admire. It, it's It truly is about, you know, being able to move and stick, as they say in the boxing world, being able <laughs> to really kind of make the adjustments that are going to allow you to continue to prosper when your feet are in shifting sand. So absolutely. I I think this, this particular time for, for us to talk to Angie is great. Yeah. And you, you also touched on not just the ability to adapt to change, but also having those hybrid skills required, which I think are absolutely critical. I, I, I have a friend and I'd mentioned to you, someone I know within the Kansas city community that focuses on culture and works with a large organization on culture and had the opportunity to have a nice long conversation with her about what's required from an attitude and an individual skill set. And a lot of that that we focused on was hybrid skills and the ability to connect, the ability to express vulnerability and the ability to share authenticity within those connections when you and I are still talking through a screen, buddy. I mean, it's not like we're sitting side by side, right? So still being able to attribute or bring forth those hybrid skills and have those as part of your tool set, I think is absolutely more critical now probably than ever too, when we're, we're really, we have a barrier, even though we have an enabler through these technological devices it's still a barrier in the sense of really having true human connection. Yeah. And, you know, really, uh, as a professional, your reputation is kind of the only thing you, you own, right? And, and you, have to, you have to cultivate it. You have, to, you have to nurture it and you have to protect it, frankly. And I think in, in many ways, those abilities to, you know, understand, the, the, again, those hybrid skills, those soft skills are so important. I wish I would have, have had that kind of training that, that Angie provides to students and others you know, early in my career, because I can definitely tell you I made some mistakes. I certainly <laughs> operate differently now in a team setting or in a personal setting than I did when, when I was a young pro 20 years ago. And so I just think, you know, again, and Angie will go into much more detail about this, but it's a, you know, it's, it's an acquired skill and it's one that I think is, is really important. We're doing in my program, even though I send a lot of students to Angie for exactly this kind of training, but we, we're now teaching a leadership and marketing course. And we don't used to teach it every three years. We're now teaching it every year uh, because I told, as I told my students, you know, you all are going to be young leaders someday mm-hmm. and you're going to be in a situation where you're going to have to lead. Right. And, and leadership is, is definitely a set of skills that's important for all of us to, to understand. So, yeah, you even go back to the conversation we just had with Catherine past interviews, uh, that leadership, <laughs> com- that leadership component. We talked about the changing dynamic of the marketing profession and it, starting to have more 
top line responsibility from the standpoint of P&L responsibilities, right? There's a great potential for that. And you're going to have to be able to run an organization where before marketing might have been considered a creative pursuit. There's so much more from a scientific standpoint and an actual business acumen standpoint now more than ever as part of that. So it makes a great deal of sense. Yeah. And it's been fun to see around the country what we would think of as chief communications officers or the kind of the top, I'm thinking of some large corporations I know Mm -hmm. where, and this has actually happened, not in a lot of cases, but in some cases where the person that was the CCO actually has risen to the CEO position in companies. We've seen that now. You never used to see that before, Mm -hmm. right? It was always somebody who came out of finance or that would typically be, you know, kind of the the ladder up to CEO. But we're seeing that. Actually, we're seeing that in Kansas City. Wendy Gillis at at Kauffman Foundation was their chief communications officer before she was promoted to CEO. We had her on a panel last year at Edwards. And, and, you know, I think that why can't that person move into that kind of situation or, or, or position? You know, they, they know the organization, they have empathy, you know, they certainly know how to communicate, which is so important from a stakeholder perspective. And so IBC at World Conference did a session two years ago. It was called, is this, is the chief communications officer the next CEO in most organizations was kind of the provocative question. But in order to do that, you got to have the leadership skills, man. So, yeah, you have to be equipped with the tools and experiences, right? So that's, yep. Yeah, that's great to great to hear. And I'm glad we were talking about all of us bringing the hybrid skills and making sure that we present ourselves in a professional manner. I'm glad I sound well, maybe I sound more intelligent than I appear. You know, I'm glad only you can see me today. Your secret's safe. Yeah, good, good, <laughs> good. And with that, folks, thanks for joining us and enjoy the conversation that we have with Angie Pastoric from the Kansas City IABC BCS conference. Brad, I'm really excited about our guest today, Dr. Angie Pastoric, my good friend and colleague here at the KU Edwards campus. A little bit about Angie, very uh, impressive bio, and certainly, you know, for the, the kind of topic we're talking about here on this show, really, I think, well-suited. Angie is the program director and lead faculty member for the master's degree program in organizational communications here at the KU Edwards campus. Her teaching and research interests center around organizational culture and communications practices, membership negotiation, and organizational change. So she obviously teaches graduate courses in organizational communications covering topics such as change management, communications ethics in the workplace, conflict management, professional writing and speaking skills, organizational culture, team development, engaging workplace diversity. Prior to joining KU faculty in 2015, Angie worked for more than 10 years developing and delivering training programs and communication resources for global companies, including Siemens Healthcare and Deloitte. We're catching up with Angie today at the Kansas City IABC Business Communicator Summit. So, Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Thank you for the invitation. I'm really glad to be here with you guys today. You bet. So this show in large part is about helping marketing professionals grow and learn and advance their careers. And I've heard you speak on so many interesting angles concerned with organizational communications. But I know today at IABC, you were talking about how we deal with changes in our career. So I'm curious, what kinds of changes were those and, and what was your advice? Yeah. So we talked about two broad types of change. One is the change that we can anticipate and control, and the other is the ones that we cannot. <laughs> so for example, we broke that down into four categories, industry change, organizational change, 
profession change and personal change. And so the industry change are things like mergers and acquisitions, right? We can be chugging along on our career, great team, great boss, love what I'm doing. And then our company buys another company or two. And all of a sudden there are three of us uh, in the same role <laughs> and we are at risk of being laid off through mergers, right? And so I've seen that happen to many colleagues throughout the years. So we talked about needing to be honest with ourselves and really keeping an eye out on the landscape about what's happening and making sure that we are preparing ourselves for that unexpected type of change. Second is organizational change. And here we talked about this at a more personal level. So, for example, in my dissertation research on why people voluntarily quit jobs they once loved, one of the things that causes that is that they worked for a great boss that they loved, that mentored them and developed them, gave them those great stretch opportunities, and then that person left for another opportunity. And all of a sudden, this wasn't a place that that person wanted to be anymore. And so that organizational change triggered a decision for them to leave and make their own personal type of change. Another type of organizational change that can happen is our best friend at work quits, right? And we think, oh my gosh, the only reason I've stayed in this role or with this company for this long is because I love working with this one person or these two people. They've left and now this isn't really a place I want to be anymore, right? So thinking about what are the things that are keeping us in our jobs, right? Are we there for the right reason because we're growing our skills, we're growing our networks, we have a boss who's mentoring and developing us? Or we sting because it's a little comfortable, right? We've got great relationships. We're doing good work. We like what we're doing, but we're not necessarily getting those stretch opportunities or being challenged. So thinking about organizational change in those personal ways, what would happen if tomorrow my boss left, my best friend at work left, or if there was some type of merger type of situation? Second or thirdly is our professional change, right? In marketing communication, there's probably no other profession right, that has been impacted as much by technology as marketing has, right? So there was another speaker this morning who talked about SEO and how SEO used to be a specific role on communication teams. And I remember that in my last corporate role, we had a fantastic SEO person. Well, now that's just a core skill set, right, for any marketer. And so that profession has went away. There are lots of professions that have went away. A graphic designer is another one. There was some interesting research published by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics a couple of years ago, and one of the things they mentioned as a profession that was rapidly disappearing is graphic design. And that is really hard for me to think about, right? I remember that was a college major when I went to school, that you could plan to build a career in graphic design. Well, now we don't need graphic designers because you can log on to a whole host of different websites and design your own website, design your own postcard, design your own flyer, etc. And so again, that profession is rapidly disappearing. And unfortunately, we have to prepare for the fact that that trend is only going to continue, right? And so that really points to the value of another theme of my talk, which was diversifying our professional network and also thinking about keeping our skills current, right, in a whole host of different ways. And then the fourth type of change I talk about was personal change. And this is something that comes upon us, right, due to our, our personal situation. So we might get married or have children or decide that we want to move back home to care for elderly parents, right? So a switch in geography, and that's something that we can typically plan for. But then again, we want to think about how can I expand my network? How do I need to diversify my network in that geographic area to prepare for this move that I'm going to make for myself or my family, maybe two or three, five years down the road? And so again, thinking about those types of changes, industry, organizational, profession, and personal, 
there's a lot coming at us, right? And we can't be shy or naive about the need to be thinking about and planning for both the short term and the long term. And so had a great conversation with the folks in the room today about those types of changes. Very interesting. And, you know, I think timely in so many ways, because when you look at technology as, di- as a disruptor in some of these professions, right? So mm-hmm. a lot of us uh, who are maybe IBC members or marketers or, or PR folks have a lot of familiarity, for instance, with traditional journalism. Yeah. What disruption has, I mean, talk about disruption in an industry. Yes. I actually have a fellow faculty member at the journalism school, Dr. Scott Renardi, who has done a lot of research on newsrooms and the, he looked at the point in time as the industry was sort of kind of going downward and the burnout factor that occurred. So so he he's done some fat. I'm probably not getting this exactly right, but the tremendous amount of burnout that happens to people in in jobs that they love, you know, that they there's truly a craft for them, but they're going away. Yes, absolutely. I actually had a, a very similar personal experience where I worked for an organization that it was a federally funded program and the federal funding went away. And so the organization knew this was coming. So over a period of five years, the organization was uh, gradually kind of going out of business, right? And so people were voluntarily saying, I, I, it's time for me to go. I'm not going to wait two or three years until the very end. I was actually one of those people for a number of reasons that I did stay around to the very end. I liked the work. I was well compensated. It was a hard job for me to walk away from. Made sense for personal reasons. But absolutely, when we got down the last six months or so, I initially was a member of a 12-person team. I was literally the last woman standing in that role in that organization. So, oh my gosh, the workload and the pressure, right? became more and more. And so ap- that burnout factor, absolutely. Well, and when you, when you, personally. I mean, when you see, when you take years to hone a craft and develop a career and be very specifically niched in an area, thinking of like working reporters, editors, journalists, and then all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's hard to let go of. And I think journalism is a profession and marketing to a degree as well, where we are so highly identified with it, right? It's in our blood. If you're a if you were a newspaper man or newspaper woman, right? You hear people refer to that profession as being so core to their identity that it's hard to walk away from. And that's another reason that can keep us in a job or a profession for longer than we should. Quick personal story. My brother actually is a radio DJ. He's about 15 years younger than I. And he, again, that profession, he loves it, right? He loves what we're doing here today, sitting around having conversations, picking music, those types of things. But that is a dying profession, right? And he finally, after losing four jobs in less than 10 years because of all the consolidation in that industry, has finally decided to step away. But man, is it hard for him, right? Because that is just core to who he is, the way he talks. It's just in his blood. So it's really sad to see that happen to someone that I you know, care about. But yeah, we've got to be honest with ourselves and, and prepare for those types of changes. He can morph and potentially change and do one of these. Yes, absolutely. Yes, I had that big sister conversation with him. Think about podcasts. Think about YouTube. He did a lot of marketing in his job as well. He was the brand manager for the station, but oh, he really just wants to be on the radio. He wants He's to saying, be on the That's radio. That's not going to happen. I should do a podcast. So we'll see. Maybe he'll change his mind. Yeah. <laughs> just a different in distribution. Yes, so exactly. It's, it sounds like through just even the talk you had earlier today, you help people navigate many different factors and change and considerations and change. And then even with your brother helping transition and in working with young professionals in in your work at the master's degree program, what kinds of things kind of wisdom do you expect that they can pick up through your organizational communications degree program? Yeah, it's interesting. So I always say they learn as much from each other as they do from me. 
I think my student demographic base is a little different in that my students are actually older, okay. so 35 to 40 plus, okay. so they're mid to later career. Mid -career. Okay, yeah, great. and so they're not necessarily looking for a, a big promotion, but they've reached a point in their career where they're starting to notice these organizational culture issues, right? Team conflict, diversity and inclusion related issues, isolation of certain individuals that really should be getting more opportunities and they want to step into more of a leadership role, right? In addressing some of those human dynamics types of issues within organizations. And so that's exactly what we talk about in organizational communication. And I actually love that I have math students frequently will take some of a course or two from me in organizational communication. Those two fields lay over each other so well, where you get the technical skills and insights, profession insights from Matt. And then we talk about in OrgCom, the human side, what we call the human side of business, right? So team management, team development, diversity, inclusion, stakeholder communication. So in all of the issues, for example, that you might explore in MBA and talk about at a strategy level, we talk about those same types of issues, but from a communication level. So for example, with diversity, equity, inclusion, there's a lot of conversation about bias and prejudice and stereotyping and those are bad things and yes they are bad things but we can know all those terms and know that they're bad quote unquote in general and yet still be committing them in our own communication or missing the ways that those issues pop up around a meeting conversation table and people feeling excluded or people being silenced and so if we are the person that notices those types of things and has the courage to have the difficult conversations with people that are, are doing those types of things, as well as affirming and bringing people in that are on the receiving end of some of that, that's an incredibly valuable skill set and perspective in today's ever diversifying organizations. And so, again, those skill sets are, are a great complement to a whole host of other degrees and professions. And that's what I see my students take away from the, the program as well, because they come from a variety of professions, marketing, media. I have a couple of actually former news reporters that are wanting to transition into some type of communication role. And so they want to leverage that kind of human dynamics insight to transitioning into the nonprofit sector. So again, those skills and insights from a communication standpoint are really valuable for today's professionals. Well, I think it's even more applicable today. The keynote this this morning yes. talked about the role of the CEO. Yes. So no matter your industry or your typical function, would he said what seventy percent of yes. CEOs are really working now to establish trust and credibility, and it's actually something I'd talked last week to Angie's class about is this blend. I think there's a great intersection point about that is even as a marketer, you have purpose driven brands being more and a lot of transparency being desired. So the the notion of being able to have the awareness and insight into the behaviors and culture of an organization become buying factors. Yeah. So as a marketer, they matter to me. So I think that's fabulous yeah. that you're, you guys are working towards that yeah, intersection. And, yeah. So. And that's exactly what we cover in, in my organizational communication program is all of those things in an internal setting, right? Mm -hmm. So building trust, being aware of the diversity of your stakeholders, right, that are sitting around a particular table and what's the conversation that's taking place and what's the conversation that's not taking place? What are the issues that we know are percolating under the table that we're not talking about in terms of who's taking up all the space in the room, right, who's dominating the conversation based on gender, based on organizational tenure, based on race, and who's being silenced or excluded or not included? And what's that costing us in terms of our effectiveness as marketing professionals, right? If we have 
diverse markets and diverse communities that we're trying to serve, but yet we can't have those open, honest conversations around our own table. Again, what's that costing us? So yeah. being able to recognize and address those things in a in a skillful, professional way is, is what we often end up talking about. That's fabulous. That's fabulous. Angie, you're the perfect person to have a conversation about a term that I absolutely have a love-hate relationship <laughs> with, okay? It's a loaded term, quote-unquote, soft skills, oh, right? Oh, don't even get uh, me started. <laughs> But and we and you know there are other terms and you'll yes. hear one that I favor a little more is maybe professional skills but but soft skills has taken over for whatever you know it's it, it looks like they say it's here and we live with it but things like self awareness emotional intelligence ability to work as a part of a team I'm a young professional is my career really in jeopardy if I don't have those or have to have nice to have help explore that with us yes absolutely so a couple quickly a couple of terms i've heard alternatively online which i like are hybrid skills or my personal favorite is power skills right so they really Ah. amplify Mm. our technical skills our subject matter expertise power skills power skills yes because soft skills let's talk about that for just a minute you know that term is really dismissive in terms of how it frames communication skills and it's also a little bit gendered right if we think of that through the diversity and inclusion lens, it's kind of dismissive of those soft skills, those communication skills, those collaborative skills, which are very valuable for every professional, right? And so to your question, Matt, about do I really need these? Are these really important if I have top-notch marketing skills or other professional skills? Absolutely. So in my previous life, I reported into the human resources function in a couple of organizations. And so one of the things I became known for was kind of helping out the HR managers when they had these kind of employees who were brilliant technically, but just, you know, caused conflict on teams, couldn't get along with their supervisor, were rupturing client relationships. And so absolutely, you can be brilliant technically, but if you can't get along with a diverse group of your own stakeholders, right? If you can't have difficult conversations, if you can't engage in conflict in a productive, respectful way, you are going to have a hard time at a certain point, right? Getting to, if not the manager position, definitely the leadership level positions because your reputation is going to precede you. Yes, we want people that have uh, brilliant technical skills, but as we know, right, as you move up in an organization, it's more and more about your ability to connect with, manage, and lead people inside and outside the organization. And you've got to have those power skills, that ability to have the emotional intelligence, to understand what's motivating someone and to craft messages that are going to resonate and connect with them and really understand their needs. What, what about, you know, Kansas City is a great small business entrepreneurial. T- so I'm a solo practitioner. I, you know, I have my own business. I mean, is you know, interaction with, I'm not at a big company where I might be with a hundred other people still important. Yes, absolutely. So I have a student in my program right now. She is a solopreneur, right? Her uh, father-in-law, kind of pass the family company down to her. And so she's in my program right now because it's actually even more important for her. She is communicating with suppliers, vendors, customers, community members, right? All those external stakeholders that, yes, as you move into the entrepreneurial space, you're not in the safe internal space, right? Of working with your own internal team. You are the face and the brand of your company. And so, again, your reputation is going to precede you, your ability to really connect with people. I think we saw a great example of that in our opening keynote speaker, as you mentioned today, right? Really dynamic, engaging, connected well with a whole whole room of people, right? In a variety of different ways. So absolutely, it doesn't matter if you're a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, 
working in a large corporate organization, working in a public sector organization, those communication skills are vital, right? The ability to communicate across differences and across boundaries. Absolutely. And a quick clarifier, you were talking about John Hall, who was yes. the keynoter this yes. morning, friend of the show yes. on a previous episode. <laughs> yes. so don't oh, miss perfect. That opportunity. Excellent. Yes. He gave a great presentation. Yeah. yeah. Great to bridge back to that. So you were talking about that if I feel I'm an individual that needs to either brush up, I'm a, I'm a Stephen Covey guy, so sharpen the saw. Or br- brush up or even feel like I need to acquire, better acquire some of these power skills. I will adopt that too. Uh, what are some tools and resources that you can go about maybe making use of or getting involved in to, to become more effective in that area? Yes. So a couple of things. One, I think coming to events like IEBC today and just listening to and learning from a wide variety of different people who are known for both their technical and communication skills and just observing that in your everyday interactions as well on the job. I know I learned a lot when I was first beginning my career by just kind of zeroing in on people that I thought did an exceptional job of communicating, of leading difficult uh, conversations. I had a fantastic boss who really no new barrier. She wasn't willing to break through, right? And so when I was junior in my career, the fact that I could go to her and say, here's what I'm struggling with. She would coach me, but she would also pick up the phone and initiate that three-way conversation. Just an incredible model for me. And to not just notice those things, but say, well, what are they doing? And how is that working? And how can I apply that to my own uh, work? And that's completely free, right? That we can do and as part of our daily work. Secondly, and one of the things that I talked about in my presentation today is to get a coach, a mentor, and a sponsor to have those people kind of in your own professional circle. So a coach is a often a peer-level person or your manager, right, who kind of knows what you're good at, knows what your strengths are, but is also willing to give you some honest feedback in a palatable way about skills that you need to develop and point you into in resources that can help you and actually coach you specifically. Mentors are typically folks that are two levels uh, above us. So you're one over one in organizations. They've kind of been there, done that, and have that perspective that's really valuable for here's the types of power skills that you're going to need above and beyond your subject matter expertise and explain why those are important. If you want to get to the level that I'm at, here's why you've got to be able to navigate conflict and difficult personalities and work across barriers of all sorts. And then thirdly is the sponsor person. And this is less specific to your question, but just to cover those three roles for folks, because this one is perhaps the most important for career growth. This is a senior level person who has a lot of respect and credibility in your organization, who is behind the closed door when promotion and other types of opportunities are being decided and assigned, and who knows your work and the quality of your work and your communication skills, your ability to lead and deliver exceptional work and build teams every single day. And that person is willing to leverage their social capital on your behalf. They're willing to say, Matt, he works in Kansas City. We're based in Chicago. So I recognize the rest of you leaders in this room haven't had the opportunity to work with Matt, but he is fantastic, right? He can get along with all kinds of people. He has exceptional subject matter expertise. Clients love him. His peers love him. Our other executives love him. He's ready for this opportunity. You just haven't had the opportunity to see him shine like I have, right? So me, as Matt's boss, hypothetically, in that scenario, leveraging my social capital, my formal position of authority on his behalf to make sure that he's getting the visibility and stretch opportunities that he needs and has earned 
but just hasn't received is, is really important. Now, the challenge with a sponsor is that we can't typically walk up to someone and say, will you be my sponsor and make sure that I can get this great new position <laughs> uh, that I want? Unfortunately, uh, yeah. um, it's got to be earned, right? And so that's the double-edged sword there is we have to be making sure that we are building our network internally, that we're getting noticed, that we're getting credit for our work. So we've got to build and leverage those mutually beneficial relationships across our own network so that we get known by the people that can serve in that sponsor role for us. And that was something I was going to ask you. And and you clearly articulated that for the sponsor role as how important it is for them to be familiar with you. But does that apply? same apply for maybe the mentor role? Obviously, the model role that you gave is for the technical folks in the room. It's more of a, re- I consider that reverse engineering. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> so, I, if I can figure out how to bridge that gap, there we'll go. But for the, for the mentor roles in a similar situation, how important is it for them to know who you are and, and to have observations and to be able to share transparently observations about your behavior, your communication style? Yeah. Because I think I've, any one of these roles is about removing barriers and helping facilitate growth, right? Absolutely. So, absolutely. So the mentor, it certainly helps if they already know you, but they don't have to. So one of the recommendations I often make, particularly for post-college early career folks, is to seek out a mentor early, right after you join the organization. So that mentor is not going to know you, but they're going to be someone who knows the organization, right? And so to seek out someone when you're still the new person, and we all like the shiny new person, right, where everybody wants to advise you and help you and share their expertise and their wisdom, and you can also, you know, share your perspective as a brand new employee just out of college in that example. You have lots of insight that they might appreciate as well. Mm-hmm. So it certainly does help for those of us that have been in organizations for a while if you have an existing relationship. But you could just have, you know, been in a meeting on a project team with, let's say, a, a director and you're a senior level associate. And you think, I really respect that person and I, I know I could learn a lot from them and they could help me with some things that I'm struggling with in terms of navigating some relationships or getting visibility for my work. So they've tangentially seen you and had that exposure to you. And if you approach them right in a, in a planned, respectful way, nine times out of 10, they're going to say, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Now, the other, the other um, thing to be aware of with the mentoring relationship is it's on us as the mentee to really drive that relationship. So mentors are typically asked by lots of different people to be mentors because they have, they're known for being someone who's committed to developing people, right? And so we need to make it as easy and less time consuming as possible. So let them know what you want them to mentor you on and then have a plan for each mentoring meeting as well. Angie, just uh, before we close, this has been great. Thank you. We've covered so much territory and so relevant, so relevant, no matter where you are in your career. But I know I, you, you do some very interesting things. To, Brent's question was around tools. And, and uh, talk a little bit about your very unique Lincoln Learn yes. web series, because I've, I've recommended that many times. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Yes, absolutely. So I do a monthly Lincoln Learn series. These are free events. I use Zoom web conferencing. They take place on the third Thursday of every month from 11 a.m. to noon central time. And they're on a variety of workplace communication topics. So they're really meant to help people get a sample of the types of things that we cover in my organizational communication master's degree program and certificate program. So our March topic, for example, is strategies for building a culture of employee engagement. In April, we'll be talking about uh, workplace civility. 
So that is a topic that we are starting to get some questions about from some local organizations, given the increasing complexity, diversity, resource-constrained dynamics that organizations are dealing with and just kind of the, the hotness of a lot of social topics that are coming into the workplace, right, and kind of rupturing relationships. So how can we all work together effectively and, and respectfully and, and really start to fully appreciate other people's lived experiences and concerns and, and work together still effectively on the job as well. And this is a web a website where people can go to it. Yes. And so yes. and you'll do you're doing, if I heard you correctly, monthly. Yes, they're monthly. They're right? monthly. Yes. So we'll make sure to share a link to those in the show notes yes, when this when you. this comes out. Yes. Yeah. You were about ready to say. <laughs> I was just gonna say I can give you general directions to the website. So if you go to the KU Edwards website graduate programs and then communication studies at the end of that page there's a link and learn link but i think the direct link in the show notes would be fantastic thank you so much for sharing that of course happy to do it thank you well angie it's been tremendous speaking with you today we've had a great time fun (laughs) thanks angie yeah thanks man if you found value in today's episode check us out on our website cultivatedmarketer.com You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer.